and welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker joins me on what almost feels like trade deadline day, uh, but it's not. We're still about a, just over a week out, and here we are, February 27th at about 5.30 p.m., and we've got plenty to talk about from our last show. Justin, how's it going? Before we jump into all the trades, uh, how's life? Yeah, thank you. Uh, life is good. Can't complain. Just, uh, you know, recouping from the weekend. Had a had a nice little uh, nice little dinner Saturday with some in-laws. And, uh, well, not the in-laws, but um, the sister-in-law. Oh, right. So we yes, to, she was uh, coming in town. Well, I mean, I actually saw you Friday night. You came right. over and met the, yeah. met the baby and the, all that. The best part. Yeah, yeah that was meeting fantastic. The baby. <laughs> yeah, meeting the baby, right? I mean, that's just... That was that was awesome. Kirst, I mean, my wife Kirsten was over the moon, and uh, oh, well, good. you know, yeah, of course she, uh, you know, for those who don't don't listen on the regular, she's uh, she's wanting a little little one. So uh, you know, when uh, when we see people that have newborns, it's just like jealousy city. Let's so, go, let's go. Well, uh-huh. of course, works out uh, well for me though. <laughs> at some right, right, exactly. <laughs> well, at some at some point, uh, well, you know, I'll I'll bring you a meal when you have a kid. So that's oh, the only that. way, though. That's the only way I'm bringing you a meal. <laughs> we we see each other when we, we see each other when we have kids. And that's it. <laughs> the rest is on Skype. All right, you had a child. I guess I can. Oh, you're getting married. I can come to that. Uh, <laughs> no. uh, well, I mean. Tons of tons of stuff has happened uh, since we last spoke. We, I mean, really, the trade we focused on uh, just last week was that Ryan O'Reilly deal, and since then there has been a slew of of trades. Uh, I think about about around a dozen deals have been made, uh, and as far as significant moves, I mean, you're looking at quite a few significant moves. Uh, that have been made since then. So we're going to just break them all down. And uh, I know that I said we were going to start with that Dmitry Orlov trade. Just thought I'd throw it in there to, to start the show. Um, Shea Weber does go to the graveyard for LTIR. He goes to Arizona Coyotes. And uh, Nikita Zaitsev goes to what may have become the new graveyard. That's the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, along with a second round and a fourth round pick from Ottawa, basically a pure salary dump because Ottawa gets future considerations in return. So the the two salary dump uh, moves right there, which I think will provide some context for what should come up here probably by trade deadline day. Uh, so let's get to the Dmitry Orlov deal. Uh, this was February 23rd, just four days ago, last Friday, what, Friday, Thursday. And the Boston Bruins go out. They grab Dmitry Orlov, who's down to, what, a 1.275 uh, cap hit now because of all the retention of salary. And Garnet Hathaway, they also get Andrei Svetlakov, uh, just the signing rights. And... The Washington Capitals get Craig Smith, a first-round pick in 2023, third-round pick in 2024, a second-round pick in 2025, and uh, and that's that's where we end up. Oh, and a oh, I guess did did Shvetlakov end up with Washington or did he end up with Boston? Now I'm confused. I don't really <laughs> care. Um, he's on both on cop friendly. It shows him being on both. Both, he uh, goes to Washington. Spots. He did end yeah. up in Washington. Okay, there we go. Uh, your thoughts on this deal? Yeah, I mean, look, it gives Boston uh, another big piece at, on the D, the decor, right? I mean, last year their big acquisition was Hampus Lindholm, and that turned out pretty well for them. And I think they get a bona fide top four defenseman in Dmitry Orlov. That was he was the main piece in this this whole equation here, and you know Craig Smith going the other way to help clear some cap too, but. Um, you know, listen, for first, second, and third round pick, you get a, a top four defenseman who, in my mind, is still a bona fide top four a guy who can move the puck, but is is really solid in his own end and somebody who should make that top four very, very scary because he could pair off nice with, like, you know, Charlie McEl- McAvoy and, and let him do his thing. And he can be the rock stay-at-home guy. And and I think this is going to work out well for Boston. I mean, for their system, they like to play a little little grit, a little sandpapery, and um, you know, he should fit in hopefully very, very well with this team. And, uh, uh, you know, on the other end, Garnet Hathaway is, is going to be a great depth piece for them at the Ford group. I think, you know, 
we we know that their top nine is is going to be pretty good but that that bottom that bottom line of aj greer thomas nosek i think garrett hathaway garnett hathaway is going to add a nice little flexible piece there so maybe if you know Nick Foligno is not really working out too well on that third line. You can move Garnet up a little bit, yeah, give and, him a little bit more time. And Hathaway has shown that he can score the odd goal. I mean, he's got 25 goals in the last two seasons, uh, 14 last year. He's got nine so far this year. So, I mean, not a not a bad bottom, uh, you know, bottom six player who can occasionally put the puck in the net. And yeah, they. I mean, that obviously is the uh, the little bonus thrown in, you know, to to give them all those picks. They throw in Hathaway as well. I, I, you've kind of seen this trend with quite a few deals. Is like that tossing in of the fourth line player. Uh, you saw it in the Ryan O'Reilly deal where the Leafs also get Nolachari, who by the way has been very good for the Leafs so far in the faceoff circle. He's been a freaking wizard. Uh, you saw Nico Mikola go to the New York Rangers in the Tarasenko deal. Uh, just this seems to be what a lot of these teams are doing they're going well you know we're going to make this this move for whichever main players involved uh but we also want some depth as well so it probably saves teams the the time the trouble and maybe a, a you know you're able to kind of squeeze it in a little bit easier when the deal you know you're not trying to do this with another team and you're just it's all in one deal and it probably makes that that portion easier uh you know, I guess I guess the the one question that I I would have, uh, you know, they also send Craig Smith the other way. Not that Craig Smith is uh, is a bad player by any means, uh, but they they do lose some depth on on that bottom six as well. I mean, he had thirty six points last year. I know he's he's kept been struggling this year and was hurt a little bit. Uh, that I mean, it's just it seems as though a Hathaway for Smith relatively the same type of player, same type of production, at least actually Smith has a far uh, longer history of production, but uh, I don't know how much depth they acquired in that deal. Other than the salary cap depth, Uh, you just kind of lose the, I think it was $1.6 million difference in the, in the salary. So I don't necessarily look at that and go, wow, Boston got a better bottom six. I don't know that I, that I go and classify Hathaway that much better or have that much more of an impact than Craig Smith does. So that would be where I would, at least on that portion of the deal, land. But shoot, Dmitry Orlov makes that top four as good as anyone else in the Eastern Conference uh, right. as far as that top four goes. Yeah, and as far as Garnett Hathaway is concerned, too, you're right. I mean, he's not going to – I don't think there's an uptick as far as the needle is concerned versus Craig Smith. But at the same point, you don't lose and you don't have to go dig into a minor or – your depth forward group to say, hey, you know, are we going to find somebody who can come in and replace what Craig Smith was doing? And I think with Hathaway, you get a guy who you you can rely on to do that. Yeah, yeah. And Garnet Hathaway is a UFA at the end of the year, uh, so that's you know him and Orloff both both UFAs at the end of the year. Craig Smith is a UFA at the end of the year too. So just a, just some more or less contracts being uh, being shifted around there. So um, yeah, I mean. As far as maybe who won this deal, uh, I'm I'm kind of looking at it, and it's it is very unusual to see the Washington Capitals selling. Like that's probably the thing that I take away most from this deal. Is not I mean it it's a fine deal, it's a fair deal for everyone involved, right? Like the Bruins are giving up futures because they don't care about the future at this point. They want to win the Cup this year, and the Washington Capitals in a very strange spot selling their UFA defenseman um, who I believe Orlov has been with the Washington Capitals his entire career if I'm not mistaken uh, uh, yep he yeah, sure yes, has he has so I mean that's a that's a you know homegrown guy that you're you're dealing with and, and I suppose there's no there, there there will be nothing stopping him from coming back uh, which may be you know very possible given the fact that he is Russian and uh, there seems to be that little coalition of Russian players in Washington because of Alex Ovechkin. So maybe Orlov just goes right back. Uh, it doesn't really matter what what this signals to me is. You know, Washington recognizes they're done, and uh, they're they're likely going to sell off more pieces here, uh, especially because practically their entire blue line are UFAs at the end of this year. So it's going to be a very unusual position for the Capitals to be dealing away players rather than going out and acquiring some. 
uh, which at this point, the Washington Capitals, what they're their top four is some combination of Nick Jensen, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, Eric Gustafson, <laughs> and I mean John Carlson when he comes back. If he, you know when, if and when he comes back. At this point now, you almost have to want. You know, you're not going to rush John Carlson back now. There's no point. Other than you know, hey, come back and help Ovechkin score a few more goals before the end of the year, right? Like this season's kind of cooked, and I think that. I, I know I saw something about uh, them talking to Ovechkin and essentially saying, hey, look, like we got destroyed by injuries. And the fact that they're 0-5 without Ovechkin shows how freaking important he, a 37-year-old, still is to this team. <laughs> and, I mean, even if he, if he had played in those games, you know, that's maybe six points going the other way, which is crazy to think. Six points puts them in a playoff spot. So, I mean, it's... Not as if anyone's blaming Ovechkin. It just shows how the lack of depth for the Capitals has really uh, spelled disaster for them. And uh, they'll just retool and go at it again next year. They probably won't even use these draft picks. They're probably just going to trade them away for something in the in the offseason would be my guess. Yeah, what's wild is, um, you know, again, I, I would assume they're probably going to trade them off too because, look, they've – they literally do not have a decor for next year right. outside of John Carlson. I mean, he's the only one. They've got a couple RFAs, but some. I mean, uh, they'll they'll resign somebody. I like I said, I think Orlov would be a, is a is a candidate to come back. Sure. Yeah, and I mean, I could see Nick Jensen coming back too. But um, you know, outside of that, you know, I again, it's it's just wild to think that we could almost have a soft you know rebuild on that that defensive core back there. You know, this offseason, especially now with all that extra capital, you could. You could go make a move and try to bring in another piece. Maybe you can make a play for you know Jacob Chikrin in the off season and and give you know John Carlson that help he needs on that back end. All right, uh, one move that caught me by surprise: uh, the New York Rangers trading uh, Vitaly Kravtsev. Uh, you know, this is a guy who has been kind of the talk of the Rangers trading him for a long time, and things haven't. I know that. He hasn't looked great in an NHL uniform so far. I wouldn't go as far to say he's gotten a huge opportunity. He's only played 28 games this year, 20 last year, uh, playing in the bottom six, which I don't think is where he belongs at all. Uh, Trading him for, I mean, William Lockwood, not a bad uh, AHL player right now, third-round pick in 2016, but he's not somebody that you're probably looking at going and doing much more than playing Maybe in the future, in your bottom six, being a guy that you can call up here and there, uh, and a seventh round pick, which I thought that they at one point could have gotten far more for Kravtsov. Yeah, it's it's strange, right? I mean, you're talking about a 2018 number nine draft pick, right? So first round talent. He's he's only 23. So in the grand scheme of things, you know, yes, you would hope he he's kind of developed, but He's not old enough to where you basically would write him off at this point, right? He should still have some potential, and and whether or not that is in the NHL or not, you know, maybe maybe there's the fear that you know maybe he's talked to the Rangers and said, hey, you know what? After the season, uh, I don't I don't give a crap what's going on. I'm going back to the KHL. That's possible. Uh, yep. Yeah, which is the only reason I could think of because they've essentially just dumped him off to Vancouver and said, hey, take him for next to nothing. Um, because that's that's about that or maybe there's future considerations that are kind of wink wink down the road saying like for example hey if uh you know this whole patrick kane thing doesn't work out we want to make a play for brock besser so uh, we'll give you this guy now just to kind of sweeten the pot and uh you know good thought and, yep good but, thought you know again good i thought. the only thing i can really think of is he just basically told the rangers hey i'm, I'm gonna go re-sign in the khl I'm done with this NHL thing. I'm going to, you know, take a couple years off or something. And Vancouver's like, you know what? We'll take him off your hands. We'll give him a peek. And who knows? Maybe he works out sure. and we can con him into staying because, look. Um, I'm, I, mean, I mean, I'm looking at Kuzmenko going, I mean, there's another Russian. Exactly. That has succeeded coming over from the KHL. And certainly they would have at least played against each other in the KHL. So they would be familiar with each other. Uh, it just seemed very odd. I, I feel like it was about a year ago people were talking about like the Rangers wanted a first round pick for him. Right. And here we are getting a seventh round pick. How did this happen? Uh, and to some extent, I mean, it has to be, 
has to be on Chris Drury. I mean, he sold about as low as he possibly could have on this guy and obviously was asking too high of a bill a year ago. And here he is probably just needing the 875. I don't know. I don't know. Or needing the roster spot or something, but um, just trying to rid their hands of him. So anyways, he goes and that. That to me is the most head scratching deal of this entire show because I just can't believe that a player that was being talked about being traded for a first round pick didn't even fetch a sixth round pick. Right. <laughs> they got a seventh round pick. And I mean, maybe they, I can't imagine that they see William Lockwood, a 2016 third round pick as someone that is going to make an impact on their roster. Uh, no. And even if it strange. is a purely money thing, right? Where we just need to get rid of this, this extra 900,000. Could have put him we, in the minors. Right, you put them in the minors, or you could. Li- I mean, you could legit any trade deal. You know, you make with Chicago, right? For Patty Kane, you can throw him in there and sweeten the pot. Because that's what I'm I sure thought was going to happen. Yeah, that, but obviously Chicago said we don't want anything to do with him. Yeah, maybe I, I don't you know. know. I wonder if he's got a little bit of, uh, you know, just teams have kind of seen how it's gone there in New York, and maybe they're they're saying, "Oh, this guy's a little bit like Jonathan Drouin kind of vibe." Although at least Jonathan Drewan had a monster season, so he had something to to back up what he was, you know, kind of selling. What Drewan had like fifty three points uh, the year before he got dealt from Tampa, so it's not as if he was just a garbage player. He scored twenty one goals, and uh, yeah, he, he had was, a lot of promise right coming yeah. out of the minors. And he played, I think he played with uh, Nathan McKinnon too. So it was he was kind of looked at as a guy who you know could potentially. Yep. I mean, he was you know coming out of the draft. Play for the Moose, that, yeah similar production as Nathan McKinnon in the minors. So you think he could get it together at yeah. some point, but I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> um, all right, well let's, let's move on to the next deal. And the, uh, one that really, I actually had no idea it happened. And then when I, I have Nino Niederreiter on one of my fantasy teams and he was on IRNA and was like, what in the world is IRNA? What happened to him? And I thought maybe he'd like, you know, some personal problem, you know how they can, you, you, Go, you leave for a little while, a personal deal. And I looked, it was like, oh yeah, after his trade with the Jets, blah, blah, blah. I was like, wait, he got traded to the Jets. I did. I somehow missed it. So, uh, Nito Niederreiter dealt to the Winnipeg Jets or, uh, from the Predators for a second round pick in 2024, um, uh, going to the Predators. Uh, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I actually really like this move for the the Jets. I think this kind of shows them a little bit of say, hey, you know what? We're, uh, we're making a push here. I think we're a legit contender and we're going to, we're going to get you some help. I mean, look, uh, you can get a top six winger here for not even having to, to waste a first round pick. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a pretty pretty dang good mood, and especially with someone with term at an affordable price, right? Because at four million bucks for a guy who puts up this kind of you know production typically in his heyday, you could you could easily move him again if it's just not if it's just not gelling, right? He it's a contract you could probably find a way to move at some point. Yeah. Versus yeah. like a seven eight million dollar deal like JVRs where you just you you only have so many teams that can really afford to take on and that you're going to have to eat a bunch of it yeah this is i mean right. i love the deal for winnipeg because he has another year left on his deal and that is always something that uh it's it's a pretty regular trend for the jets trying to acquire players with term because let's face it winnipeg is not exactly the destination uh, point of most uh, most players across the nhl so they try to get players under contract uh i like the the deal for nashville it it's really, you know, it's what it's kind of Poyle's one of Poyle's last moves here as he, uh, he he's done a few other things since here. But uh, as we know, David Poyle retiring and giving way to uh, to the godfather over here, the other godfather. Uh, oh, my gosh. Why am I blanking on his name? Barry Trotz. <laughs> Barry Trotz. <laughs> All I could think of was his lack of a neck. And uh, <laughs> that was that was always the, my buddy lived in Nashville, and that was always the joke was the lack of neck, and we would one of our friends would make would do it at Barry Barry Trotz impression that was just distasteful, so we won't go any further. But <laughs> that's all I could think about was like, damn it, what is his name? Um, yes, Barry Trotz taking over as the GM. So there you go, Winnipeg. Ironically, you know, Winnipeg uh, benefiting from that after they desperately tried to get Barry Trotz to come coach for them over the summer, and he ends up becoming the Predators' new general manager. Uh, so I like the move for both teams, and it does signal a, hey, Nashville has finally figured out, yeah, we're not we're not very good. We got it. Right. I mean, and it, it only took Ryan Johansson going down to do it, too, right? I mean, 
true. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, they're at this point, it's smart to just go, you know what? Let's, let's go. Let's jump all into trying to get as low down here as we can and get as good of a pick as we can. Uh, yeah. And, and you think too, at this point, right, you've got Philip Forsberg at 28, Matt Duchesne's on, you know, the wrong end of 30. And, yep. you know, if you're going to make a play and, and just do a quick retool, um, man, now's the time to do it because you wait a few more years of, you know, mediocre, you know, a few more years of mediocrity. And, you know, all of a sudden Philip Forsberg is on the wrong side of 30 and Duchesne and Johansson and these guys are out of town and you don't know what you got. So Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Barry Trotz formulates this roster. Uh, thinking, you know, the type of coach that he is, obviously a very defensive heavy coach. Uh, I wonder if John Hines is the long-term solution for him, uh, being that, you know, I, did John Hines replace Barry Trotz? No, somebody else was there. Peter Laviolette was there in between, right? That's who replaced Barry Trotz. Yep. Uh, and yeah, it'll be interesting though to see. You know, does he go back to more of that defensive style of uh, of hockey, or, or you know, where are we going with this with Barry Trotz? It, that, it'll be fun because uh, we, I mean, obviously know Barry Trotz well as a coach. We've been watching him coach in the NHL for twenty plus years, and and here we are. You know, he'll be a general manager, so it'll be fun to fun to watch that happen. And I wonder now how much how much influence is he having over these deals moving forward too? Because I don't think that David Poyle's just purely stepping aside today um i don't know i did you see anything about a date when that was uh officially handed over no no i haven't read anything about that just that he's going to be a quote-unquote consultant yeah okay through the end of the year probably and then come the draft he'll probably be the one making the decisions would be my guess but yeah let barry trotz pick his guys i'm sure yep yep my guess is that John Hines will be on the old chopping block there, and uh, well, yeah, we'll see what what goes down. Uh, let's keep on scooting because we got lots more moves. Uh, this is weird. It really does feel like trade deadline day, <laughs> where we've got twelve moves <laughs> to talk about over the course of like two days. Uh, Evgeny Dadanov goes to the Dallas Stars for defenseman Denis Giryanov to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Montreal retains two and a half million of uh, Dadanov's five million dollar contract. Giryanov is at two nine, so Dallas also gets four hundred thousand in cap space, which is not insignificant when you're talking uh, trade deadline space and you know the ability to maybe grab another player. Uh, what do you think of this deal? Yeah, I mean, my first initial reaction was, you know, I, I like Giryanov. I thought he was a quality player, and I think you know Dadanov can add something. Because I think that's to me was the biggest missing piece for this team was was depth at the forward position. I think outside of that top line, you know, you had some production from from Tyler Sagan and and but really like when you looked at like Mason Marchment and 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 Wyatt Johnston and these these younger guys Ty Ty Delandria, I think there was something missing. You wanted a little bit more, right? You want a little Oscar. more skill, a little more skill, yeah. right? Over that, over maybe the brawn. Or the like, right? Yeah, and and don't get me wrong, I I think Dadenoff is past his prime as far as his production capabilities, but I think he's still a capable, you know, third line guy who can, you know, move up in your second line and shuffle in that middle six there um, and can still give you some production. Right. And maybe pairing him with a guy like Tyler Sagan or Jamie Ben will, uh, you know, help improve both of those guys or either one of them. And if not, it gives you a nice, a nice little legitimate threat on your second power play unit as well. And I mean, in the end, is he a, is he a more talented player than Garyanov? Yes. And at this point, they got cap space like that. Even if this trade doesn't work out, they got $400,000 in cap space for nothing. Like even if it, even if it's all else is even, they got $400,000 in space. Yeah. Um, and and speaking of space, I, I think it's going to come in handy for next year too, because I don't think realistically, um, you know, with the defensive core they have now, I just, I don't think they had the money to sign him to what I think it probably would have taken probably four ish million dollars to resign him. Yeah, and uh, I, I just don't think they had that kind of cap space, considering the amount of forwards they need to resign up front too. So, um, you know, whether or not they bring back guys like Luke Lundenning or you know, uh, you know, Olafson uh, is irrelevant. But I think even just filling out that bottom six would have been difficult with the limited cap space of like you know four or five million bucks. So, this gives them a few more few more dollars to spend in the off season, anyways, on that bottom six, and and yeah. they can go find a league minimum guy. I think pretty easy to 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 throw in your third pair there. Or, or if it works out with Dadnov, I mean, you're, you're 
you can re-sign him for something very similar, uh, the two point right. five probably with you know based on on his production this year. Uh, 18 points in 50 games, only four goals. He definitely is not scoring 25 goals again like he did in 2019-20. Uh, so I think that, yeah, you're you're in a good spot if you're, you're Dallas. I like the move. I like the move for Montreal because it gives them someone who is still cost-controlled as an RFA. Uh, I don't – I kind of – I don't know if I agree that Giriano is going to go for – Four million bucks. I mean, he's got nine points in forty-three games. He had thirty-one points last year. I think he's probably as an RFA still. If it's a one-year deal, maybe a small raise to like three point two, but not too much more than that. And uh, yeah, I, I guess he'd be a UFA. What the following year? I yeah, think it would yeah, be. he would yeah. be an RFA for one more season. So but. yeah, four million bucks if you're maybe signing him to like a four-year deal. Something I could see something like that. Yeah, considering and, his production, you know, the last few seasons, and then of course what he did in the playoffs for the Stars. I mean, seventeen points in twenty-seven games isn't anything to sure. shake your head at. So. Absolutely, yes. He and and you know, I guess that would be the one surprising part about this deal is that obviously they're looking at him and uh, they're saying, well, that was a that was an aberration that we're not seeing that again from Garyanov because you know there was a time when a playoff run like that would have, you know, Dallas wouldn't have dreamed to get rid of him for an, a dad enough who really has, uh, what, I'm mean, how much playoff success does he, he's been to the playoffs one time in the NHL and the Panthers got swept and right. he had one assist in those games. So he has, we'll just say he has no proven playoff performance and Gary someone who showed that he can play in the playoffs, uh, granted, you know, the last time they made the playoffs, he had no points in five games and you know, you could say, well, you know, when he was really productive, that was four years ago. Uh, but I mean, he, yeah, he, he still probably the way he plays maybe is, is a little more playoff esque than dad but we'll, you know, obviously we'll find out, but I like the move for Dallas just simply because it's kind of a, a low risk move. They, you were right. You're right. I don't think they could have resigned him anyways. This gets them a little more cap flexibility, and it gets them, frankly, a more talented player anyway. So uh, even if he doesn't produce as much in the playoffs, I, I think it's a moot point because Giriano probably wouldn't either. Um, let's go to the Blues acquiring uh, good old Zach Dean for Ivan Barbashev to the Golden Knights. Your thoughts on this one? Uh, but which, well, by the way, Zach Dean, if you're unfamiliar, he was the 30th overall pick in the 2021 draft. So I know it's, it sounds funny, you know, when you you say, oh, he, you know, they traded him for a prospect. Uh, he was a first round pick last year. Yeah. And well, so here's the other thing about that, too. I mean, listen, St. Louis has got plenty of draft capital um, through some of their other trades. So they've got three first round picks this season. They've got a couple second rounders, a couple third rounders, you know, this year. So they've got plenty of capital down the pipeline. And so I think for a team that's looking to, you know, retool on the fly because you have younger guys like Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo signed long term, sure. I think this makes sense because now you get a guy who potentially could be a, you know, a nice fit in your middle six is where I think, you know, most scouts have seen this this kid fitting in. And so, you know, I again I don't really know the book too well on Zach Dean and where he might, you know, fit in long term, but um, look, he could potentially work out to be a, a quality player. I mean, if you get picked in the first round, there's a, re- a good reason for it, right? I mean, you know, teams typically see you as a potential top six, top nine guy in well, the future. And, and, so. and you're a year ahead in your development, right? Like that's a that's a big plus for a team like St. Louis who isn't looking for someone to be a middle six guy in 2027. They want somebody who could maybe step in next year or the year after. Uh, Zach Dean is already 20 years old, so there he's certainly. Uh, I'm sorry, he's not 20 years old. He's 19. Uh, yeah, no, he's 20. My bad. He's he, 20. He's yeah. 20. He's 20. So he will, uh, you know, potentially you could step in at least. You know, he's playing in the AHL, and I think that that's an important bonus. Is that you know you're not getting. First off, a player that you don't know at all because it's just a draft pick. You're actually getting a player that you've had the ability to scout and watch at the pro level, albeit in the AHL. But he is playing in the AHL instead of having someone where you know you risk that. Well, he's got to go back to juniors, and you know that's just a long road. So I mean, he's already a couple years ahead of that because of being an overager at the draft. So 
Um, I think it's a it's a good move for St. Louis. And man, the Golden Knights acquire Ivan Barbashev, who is certainly going to help them with Mark Stone going down uh, in the you know for the rest of the regular season at least. And uh, he'll he's not going to replace Mark Stone, but he can re- replace some of the offense lost by losing a Mark Stone. And, and he can play on the left and the right wing. So he does offer some flexibility. And, and he plays center. So that's something to not uh, not forget about is that he's so versatile, which a coach is only going to love that. Uh, somebody who you can drop anywhere in your lineup. He can play on the, he can play in the top line, but he could yeah. also play on the third line, no problem. Right, absolutely. And I think the other thing to realize is, you know, we, we all talk about Mark Stone's ability to play, you know, both sides of the puck, right? How great his two-way ability is. I think what's been underrated about, you know, Barbashev is his ability to play the two-way game as well. And so, um, yes, it's it's nowhere near on the level of a Mark Stone. Um, but I still think for, you know, for a team that, you know, could really use some of that, um, gosh, this is a great acquisition. I mean, you only have to give up a, a, you know, a decent prospect for him. And now you get a guy who, again, you could throw him on your third line with Phil Kessel and Will Carrier or Chandler Stevenson, and he gives you a guy who, who I think is you're confident to throw out there in any penalty kill, any kind of defensive situation, uh, and you know he's going to be responsible at his own end. Yes, uh, and I will, you know, I was, at first I thought, oh, I'm surprised that the Blues didn't retain any of the salary, but they actually cannot retain salary uh, on any more deals because they are already retaining two sal- two uh, two player salaries, and that is the max. It's two players. So uh, any deal that the Blues make from here on out, they won't be able to retain any salary. Oh, just something to keep in mind. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like that move though for for the Knights. I think Barbashev's a good player. I don't think that he's somebody who. Is going to like he can't replace Mark Stone come playoff time. Like if Mark Stone isn't back for the playoffs, the Golden Knights are in a different position than they are if Stone is available, right? Like oh, I think we can absolutely. Also. Yeah, and to touch on St. Louis and retaining salary, I think the other thing this does with with that three million bucks coming off the book is it opens up a, a few more dollars for the Blues to potentially say, hey, we'll we'll third party, we'll be a broker, um, you know, on another potential deal, and maybe get another you know third fourth round pick. Well, they can't here. They, well, oh, I'm they, sorry. You're, you're they, right. they, they could yeah, yeah. they could take a player, right? Right. Like right. they could take some uh, an entire player, but they can't. Right. They they don't have the ability to to hold anybody's money for yes, them. Correct. Which is which is an, is interesting. I mean, I you know I I get you maybe don't want a team with twenty people's cap hits and they're just the bitch of the league right yeah, right because arizona is gonna have you know 20 guys on the roster at league minimum and <laughs> yeah well yeah arizona's got all their ltir guy bums over there but uh yeah all the guys that retired a an arizona coyote blow your mind chris pronger pavel datsuk i mean i know they go back and they sign their one day deal with the team so that they can retire with them but um I, yeah i think that would be Chris Pronger, Pavel Datsuk, now Shea Weber. Who else is retired as a as a coyote? <laughs> we have to go back and look. I, those are the names that, that come off my mind at, at first. Um, small move, but uh, Jack Johnson goes back to the Colorado Avalanche from the Chicago Blackhawks for Andreas England. Uh, I guess the Avalanche trying to just shore up that back end. They, they're familiar with that particular devil and that's that's my take on it i mean jack johnson isn't particularly great um but they know his deficiencies better than they know some other sixth defenseman's deficiencies right exactly and i mean listen i don't i don't know where you know um you know what's his face kale kale mccarr is as far as you know his what's ability. his face <laughs> that guy I don't that know where best defenseman in the whole league <laughs> right yeah that guy um yeah where where his injury status is or eric johnson i haven't really caught up on that too much but um i think if anything i think mccarr is just day-to-day now so he'll be okay he'll he'll be back at some point he's been day-to-day for a couple weeks good but i mean regardless you know again if anything having depth defense pieces come playoff time is so valuable and if anything, you, you have yourself a quality right-handed guy who can play sixth or seventh on your decor. And, yeah, he can uh, eat up 15 minutes, 16 yeah. minutes. I mean, the guy's got 43 games worth of playoff experience, 21 points in those 43 games, by the way. Um, and 
who knows? Maybe Colorado's cooking something here with Samuel Girard maybe leaving and you know maybe making a big play on a, a big player or something strange like that down the down the road, right? Because this could be one of those kind of moves too. But uh, I would I would probably put my money on being just a depth piece. Yeah. But. yeah. Okay. Uh, well, let's go to the the move up next is probably the I I I'm I can't tell you this for sure, but I'm gonna say that this is the most pieces moved in a trade in the cap era. I'm I'm pretty confident in that. Uh, <laughs> I the, believe it. The Devils and the Sharks in the Timo Meyer trade, uh, they dealt so four players were dealt back to the Sharks, and five players were dealt to the Devils, along with uh, three picks to the Sharks and a pick to the Devils. So all in all, that's what uh, six. 12, 13 pieces that were dealt in this deal. Um, I can't remember the last time 13 pieces were exchanged in one deal. So yeah, we'd have to probably go back a few minutes on that. If one. I'm wrong, <laughs> if I'm wrong, find me the deal. Uh, I, I, I might, I would guess that there has been bigger trades pre salary cap, but not post salary cap. But, yeah. Okay. So let's go through the deal. Uh, the New Jersey Devils acquire Scott Harrington, Timo Meyer, with uh, you know half the half of his salary kept by the Sharks. That's three million bucks. Uh, they get prospects Zachary Emmond, Santeri Hataka, Timur Ibragimov, and a 2024 fifth round pick that belongs to Colorado. The Sharks get Andreas Johansson, who was actually sent to the minors, but you know is a, a decent depth piece probably for the Sharks, not for the for a bad team, not for a good team. Um, so my guess is they'll call him up and he'll he'll play somewhere in their bottom six. Uh, Fabian Zetterland, Nikita Okhotiuk, Shakir. Oh man, I'm going to butcher his name. Makhabadalan. Man, why are why is this trade also the most <laughs> insane names uh, for a white male to pronounce from America? Uh, 2023 first round pick, uh, 2024 second round pick, and a 2024 seventh round pick. I liked the Sharks were like, damn it, we're not doing this deal without your 2024 seventh round pick. Uh, and the conditions are if the pick is a top two selection, New Jersey will transfer their own 2024 first round pick instead of 23. Although I don't know how in the hell that would happen. How would this 2023 pick become a top two selection? New Jersey all of a sudden completely tanks after this deal and misses the playoffs. Um, The other condition, if New Jersey makes the 2023 Eastern conference final and Meyer plays in 50% of the games, or they make the 2024 Eastern conference final, the pick becomes the 2024 first. Uh, wow. Uh, also, if the 2024 first is a top 10, New Jersey has the option to instead transfer that to 2025. Uh, one more stipulation. Should New Jersey transfer their 2023 first to their 2024 first as it is top two protected and they make the conference final in 2024, San Jose receives their first in 2025. There you Confusing have enough it. for you? There you have it. Lots of stipulations. I'm really, really baffled as to why they were like, well, just in case we end up with a top two selection. How the hell would that happen? Not only would they have to miss the playoffs, they would have to, uh, like, they could win the lottery. If they miss the playoffs, you know, like right now where Buffalo sits, one point outside the playoffs. Uh, they could not, if they won the lottery, they would not have a top two pick because you can only move up, what is it, seven is it seven uh, seven slots that you can move up now? I can't remember the, the the limit, but there's a limit as to how many slots you can move up. You you can't go from uh, from sixteen to one. I think it's either it might be ten or seven, uh, but you'd have to be in a top ten worst teams in the league. And right now, New Jersey sitting at third best. I don't understand why they had to include this stipulation. It just seems stupid. Uh, but anyways, it's in there. Uh, your thoughts on this deal? Boy, I mean, I, I'm glad it was finally done. That's my first thought because I think really for the last couple of weeks, I think New Jersey was really the front runner of the team. I suspected similar to like how everybody's pegged 
the Rangers as being the home for Patty Kane here soon, right? I think Timo Meyer and in New Jersey just made sense from the standpoint that hey, they've got to have you know they've got to be willing to re-sign him, uh, or at least be willing to offer sheet him at ten million bucks, and there weren't too many teams that could afford to do that. So, um, you know, to me, it just it made sense. So I'm glad it finally got done. And so um, now, what I look at, at, at least from a, a standpoint of from the Devils is now they have a legit guy to put up there with either. I mean, you could put him with Nico Heischer if you want to do a Swiss connection thing, or you could literally put him with Jack Hughes if you want to give Jack Hughes some some sandpaper, somebody with a little bit more grit, a power forward guy, who I think honestly might play a little bit better for Jack Hughes' style of play than uh, Nico, Nico Heischer's. But, um, you know, hey, if anything, now you have, I mean, gosh, you have a legit top nine if you're New Jersey at that forward group, I mean, you put Andre Pallad on your third line with Eric Holla and Dawson Mercer. That's, that's kind of scary. And Mercer's um, just been, Mercer is kind of coming into his own right now. Right. Yeah. And I mean, again, when you've got the playoff experience of a guy like Andre Pallad and Eric Holla and Eric Holla there, I think now you've just got younger guys mixed in with a good group of veteran. I think there's just, there's just a good mix of players here on this forward group for the devils. And so if they can, um, you know, if their defense can keep it up and, and Benichek, you know, keeps holding that net down, I mean, they're going to be really scary come playoff time because they can roll three lines at you all day long. Yeah, I mean, they, they've got a legitimate chance to to end up in that Eastern Conference final. Uh, you know, they got to get – they have to get through the Metro, so you're probably talking they got to get through the Rangers and then they got to get through Carolina. Uh, yeah, and, and I, the betting numbers came out too. Uh, gave them the third best odds to to make it to the to win the Stanley Cup. Oh wow! Okay, well Vegas likes them. Yeah, uh, and and probably that trade didn't didn't hurt the you know the odds makers going. Oh, people are going to be betting betting high on this team right now. Um, just to just to go back into the trade, uh, the three prospects that the Devils acquired, they're all sixth round picks uh, made in different years. Um, then they also get that fifth round pick that is Colorado's. Um, the the prospects that go to San Jose, Fabian Zetterlin, he's a third round pick in 2017. Uh, he's having a a solid year with the Devils. He had 20, 20 points in forty five games, so he's uh, certainly like he's already there. He's going to play for the uh, play for the Sharks right out of the shoot here. Um, Nikita ok- Okotiuk, he was the a second round pick in twenty nineteen. And he has really yet to crack the NHL. Uh, he's got you know, he played ten games this year for the Devils. He scored once. Played five five games last year and uh, had two points. But uh, the second round pick, and then really the most important prospect sent in this deal was Muka, Muka Badulin. I mean, I don't Shakir. <laughs> Much easier first name Shakir. Shakir uh, he's playing in the KHL, but he is expected to be a, a really good top four defenseman uh someone that will probably you know next year he was drafted first over or, uh, first round in 2020 it's expected that next year he's going to come over to the nhl so san jose gets a couple legit guys who can play really quickly um and then maybe two first round picks as well so you're talking a like three first round picks a second round pick and a third round pick for uh, for Timo Meyer, they got a great haul for Timo Meyer, and not not that I'm you know not that I'm surprised he's a, he's a very good player, but man, did they they paid out their ass for Timo Meyer, and and they certainly could. They their cupboards are full. They haven't made a move like this in a long time, but they paid a heavy price for Timo Meyer, who frankly could only be there for another year after this. He could walk. And that may be a scary prospect for Devils fans. Now, now, yeah, if they go win win the Stanley Cup, who gives a crap? Uh, do I think the Devils are going to win the Stanley Cup with their goaltending? No. So the you know potentially you've got one more year of Timo Meyer, who by the way is going to get qualified for ten million bucks next year, and suddenly you're in an interesting spot for the Devils, and you have given up a lot for this player. He damn well better sign beyond next year. Or, yeah, I think that's the big piece, right? You expect him to re-sign for, for some good term, right? Maybe eight, not eight years, but, you know, I would suspect at least, you know, three or four years minimum uh, for what you gave up for this guy. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, I like the two first potential first-round picks out of this. Um, 
you know, but for me, the big piece I'm looking at is Fabian Zetterlin. Um, you know, what is he going to develop into? Because I think right now, the the little bit I've seen of him, I think he could potentially be a nice second line piece uh, for San Jose. And who knows, maybe he, you know, produces even more and ends up being a top top line guy for this the Sharks club. But, um, you know, overall, I think from what I've seen, I think he's just going to be a quality top six winger. Um, and that's that's the big piece because, you know, with these other prospects, yes, I think they, they have a lot of potential, but they might be bust too. Um, but you still got a couple first-round picks, and given what, you know, again, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, gave up to acquire a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, a first, second, and a third, and then what you essentially see New Jersey giving up for Timo Meyer, I think it's I think it's good compensation for both teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not as if they overpaid for what they get in the interim. But if he doesn't resign, then that's that's a, a, a tough yes. pill to swallow, right? Absolutely. Like the Leafs making the trade they made, they they know that he's a rental. They're making that as a rental trade, and that and that trade tracks with pretty much like it tracks with the the Tarasenko deal. Uh, it it tracks with almost every like every other deal made. Uh, I guess in some respects you could say, man, um, that uh, Bo Horvat trade is looking pretty bad for the Canucks. <laughs> if Bo Horvat only got a first-round pick, Beauvillier and Aturati, and I mean, I, I know I'd say that Timo Meyer is is a slight notch above Bo Horvat, but not much. And Bo Horvat's a center. Uh, man, I, I mean, I don't know how much of a, you know, how much better he really is, right? Yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, I was either the Sharks fleece the Devils or the Islanders fleece the Canucks. I don't know which one. Right. Maybe a little bit of both. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, shoot, this this deal makes the New Jersey Devils probably the favorite in the Metropolitan Division to come out of this one. Until the Carolina Hurricanes uh, make a move, right? Like yeah. <laughs> that's what we're waiting on. It, the Hurricanes have been pretty quiet. Uh, well, they're running also, out of players to fleece. Also, the the like Patrick Kane likely to the Rangers. That certainly you know way like tips the scales that that direction too. Um, well, we'll you know it, it'll be fun to watch watch how this this all uh, works out. Because especially because you know you they do have three or four games before the deadline. So you can kind of see what you have here a little bit, which is a, a benefit of doing these deals earlier is you can go, okay, yeah, this is working out like, cool. We don't feel like we need to go out and grab another forward or something. Like I, I don't know if the devils will be done, but it, it certainly looks like this, this is probably their, their big move. You know, usually these teams go out and grab some little depth guy later, but um, this will be the devil's big move. Uh, Back to the Nashville Predators, who have made uh, lots of moves here. Uh, I know I said that Devils-Sharks deal is the most players that I can remember post-cap dealt in one players and picks. I think that this Predators-Lightning deal for Tanner Janot might be the most items going back the other way for one single player that I have seen. For one player, Tanner Janot, for Calfoot, a 2023 third round pick, fourth round pick, fifth round pick, a 2024 second round pick, and a 2025 first round pick that is conditional, uh, a top 10 protected. So a first, second, third, fourth, and a fifth round pick, and Cal Fit, who is a, I know he's a first round pick several years ago, what, 2017, but shoot, <laughs> Nashville Nashville got a lot for Tanner Janot. I've, I'm impressed at how much they had, the Lightning had to give up for, you know, a guy who's putting up five goals in 56 games. Yeah, this is, uh, I don't know. I, I think, <laughs> I think they, they overpaid like no one's business for this guy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Tanner Janot. I think he's a quality third line player. Um, he's shown, you know, last year he's shown he could really produce. Um, but obviously this year the offensive production has slowed down. But what hasn't the slowed down? Has the goals have slowed down big time. Yeah, the hitting has not slowed down at all. Um, this guy will play that that really gritty block shots kind of style that I think Tampa Bay really likes for their bottom lines here. Um, and so, you know, again, I don't know if maybe they're concerned about, you know, Corey Perry, Belmar, what these guys are going to do during – you know, um, you know, getting up there in age, what these guys might do. 
in the postseason. So they go out and find somebody who's a little bit younger to come in because, again, Patrick Maroon, 34, Corey Perry, 37. So these guys, you know, might not have the wheels to go a full, you know, 24, 20, you know, one games, however long it takes you to get there. Um, well, they're you know, not going to play more than five. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy, yeah. Uh, so Tanner Juneau is that guy. And then, again, you know, that's the thing with the Lightning. I think they – they wanted to overpay because they wanted to have cost control for next year too. So they can get sure. this guy re-signed, I think at a low cost, um, which is ideal for them. But for me, I mean, gosh, I know last year, right. Or maybe it was earlier this year. I heard that, you know, the, the asking price for Tanner Janot was going to be two first round picks, which I would think anybody would have been crazy to pay for, especially because he's yeah. not re-signed yet. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't produce, you know, offensively like he has last year. You know, maybe if he had been producing, you know, on a pace similar to last year, yes. I right, a 40-point season, yeah. But right yeah. now he's on pace for about a 20-point season. Exactly. But I, I guess you're, I guess Tampa Bay is looking at him going, this is our Tom Wilson. This is a guy we don't have. We don't have a Tom Wilson, and most teams don't. And he can certainly give you an edge that no, like that's different than any other player. And probably, honestly, something that they lost when they – uh, when they lost Blake Coleman, Barkley Goodrow, when they lost that third line. And they likely felt that, you know, yes, they went out and they grabbed Nick Paul, and he certainly was a good addition. Uh, he won them the series against Toronto in that Game 7. <clears throat> but my guess is they felt like they hadn't fully rebuilt that third line, and Tanner Janot, Nick Paul together on a third line is going to be uh, like somebody's going to get hurt <laughs> on the other right. team. That's just, you know... That, and so here's what I was thinking about that, too, because I looked at what, you know, we all know it's going to be Tampa-Toronto, that first-round series at this point. And so when I looked at what Tampa or Toronto did by going out and acquired, acquiring Ryan O'Reilly, a guy who's going to bring a lot of grit, a lot of good defensive, you know, just hard-on-the-puck kind of player, I think this was their, their counter move to say, hey, we've got a guy that's going to be hard on the puck, too. You can go out and you can bring Ryan O'Reilly in, but we're going to go – we're going to swing back with Tanner Janot and Nick Paul and see if he can't just hit as hard – with that second line, because, you know, I mean, gosh, you know, they're going to bring that skill with, with Tavares and, and Marner. Um, and, you know, maybe their answer is say, Hey, you know what, we're going to throw Tanner Janot and Nick Paul at you and see what happens. And, yep. and who knows, maybe they come out and they mix things up a little bit and, you know, they put uh Stamkos with Janot and, you know, I, I don't know, maybe Kalorn goes out there against them and now you've got a little bit more grit. Well, and that was something that I, I had seen somebody talking about was Tanner Janot is the long-term replacement for Alex Kalorn. Absolutely, yeah. Because you know, the UFA he's at the end of gonna, the year. Yep. Yep. For sure, I could see that. I could also see Kalorn going. You know what? I don't want to leave. Like, I don't need to. I don't want to go. Like, I I've gotten my money. I'm going to take a little bit of a cut, and I'm going to just stay with Tampa and sign for you know three million bucks or something a year. I don't, I wonder if they would do that. Well, um, shoot. I mean, if if Alex Kalorn came to you and said, "I'll sign for two and a half million bucks." I mean, there's no way Tampa turns that down. I think they would gladly bring him on board, let him, you know, play in that middle six with Tanner Janot, let those two guys decide who goes where. And Yeah, I guess, I mean, production-wise, he's back up the – I mean, he's having his best year in a, in a minute, uh, which, you know, he had such a rough playoff last year, didn't score any goals after having a 25-goal season. Uh, I guess you, you, know, you look at him and you, you go – I mean, at the same time, you could probably go out and get $6 million a year somewhere kind of like what Palat did but he's a little bit he's a little older at 33 so you you'd think you know he's not going to get that lengthy contract at 33 no he'll get two three years at the most right for sure um okay well let's let's keep on chugging we got two well really one left uh the the predators acquired isaac rat ratcliffe from the philadelphia flyers for future considerations he was a second round pick by the flyers in 2017 so we'll just kind of breeze on by just a player that philadelphia obviously wanted to get rid of and uh to the trade of today the only trade made on the 27th that is the toronto maple leafs acquiring jake mccabe and sam lafferty from the chicago blackhawks along with two fifth round picks one in 2024 and one in 2025 the 2024 pick will be chicago's lowest 2024 fifth round pick that they own at the time of the draft going the other way joey anderson who was acquired in the andreas johansson deal who funny enough you know was dealt not too long ago was dealt in that uh timo meyer deal um joey anderson pavel gogolov 
a first round pick that is top 10 protected in 2025 and a 2026 second round pick. I'm about to like, I'm waiting for some team to trade their 2029 first round pick or something. It's just something ridiculous. Uh, but yes, this, uh, this is a, this is a big trade for, for Toronto. Your, your thoughts here. Yeah, I love, love Jake McCabe. Um, if you look at his underlying numbers, especially for those analytics lovers, uh, for what he's been able to do in Chicago, uh, he's been fantastic. And so, um, you know, gosh, he goes to a team like Toronto now that has the offensive firepower, um, a little bit more depth on defense. And so, He's, he's been he, on the ice for 51% of Chicago's goals. Yeah. And he's been on the ice for more goals scored than than hasn't been. A yeah, five on a five, which seven. is <laughs> unbelievable for a, a terrible, terrible team. Yeah, and he's having the best offensive uh, year of his career. I mean, you look at, right, he did 22 points in 75 games. He's already at 20 points in 55. So you got to imagine he's going to surpass that at some point this season. And, uh, yeah, and, and and he also uh, what was I? Oh, what was I going to say here? Uh, cost controlled, oh, right? Four million bucks. Yeah, well, two million. Well, yeah, for they, uh, they a half more his seasons. deal. So he's only at so the Leafs cap hit is only two million dollars for the next three years. This year included in that, which is incredible. That's I mean that is a huge that that I mean that that is a genius move there. Um, the fact that now they have someone who's a top four defenseman signed for another two years at two million bucks is phenomenal, uh, and and then you know you throw in Sam Lafferty who you know I I can appreciate the the like the bottom pair bottom six guy he'll probably play in that fourth line uh, and and chipping him he's got ten goals in fifty one games some of the offensive numbers same with Jake McCabe I look at those and go well yes he he's getting a lot of he's getting more time on the power play than he'll ever get in Toronto like sure. he's, he's not going to probably put up these same type of numbers in Toronto from but but hey maybe maybe he does because Toronto scores more goals so there's also that uh, but, but he's so good at his own end I mean that's the other thing I like about this move is he's good at both ends of the ice where like some guys you look at and you say okay well he's good offensively but Eh, defensively, he's a little suspect, right? Um, and for for me, this gives you a lot of flexibility if you're Toronto because look, um, you know, don't get me wrong, I like Mark Giordano, but at you know almost 40 years old, I mean, come sure. playoff time, if you got to grind, if you're expecting to go deep in the playoffs, maybe this gives you more flexibility to say, you know what, we're going to put you on the third pairing some nights to give you only 12 minutes, you know, when we don't really, you know, when we when we have those big leads or right. you know, not necessarily right. when we you know think your game might not be. Um, you know, better suited to be on that bottom pairing. Now you have flexibility to move Jake McCabe up on that second pairing, give him some more ice time. Uh, there's just, again, more flexibility that comes with having a guy like this on your, your roster. Absolutely. Yeah. And he, he plays that left side. So yeah, you just, you, it gives you that, or, or I guess he can play both sides, right? Yep. So, play both sides. I mean, that's a, that's a huge benefit to have someone that you can drop on either side. I mean, that's uh I, it, it also does make me wonder, you know, do the Leafs trade Justin Hall? Uh, because I, w- I will say if there's one thing left for the Leafs to do uh, that, that maybe they haven't fully addressed. I mean, that Jake McCabe trade addresses the loss of Jake Muzzin. I, I think maybe yeah. not from the physicality standpoint, but from a legit top four defenseman who can move the puck and plays great in their own zone. Jake McCabe is that guy. He signed for several years. I mean, that's that's a great deal. But you look at the bottom six, and you still go, hmm, like, do we have everything we need in this bottom six to compete with Tampa? When Tampa just went out and got Tanner Janot, they, they, last year they brought in Nick Paul. Do you have those guys deep in your lineup? And I would say no, that the Leafs don't have that same kind of depth at the forward position. Is that where you take Justin Hall, and and deal him out and try to bring in someone who is you know a, a, a depth scoring player uh, somebody who can play in your quote top nine and kind of shuffle himself around and give yourself the depth there that would be the one thing left for the Leafs to do and of course it comes at the sacrifice of do you want to get rid of Justin Hall a guy that has been there for a long time and that you you sort of trust sort of uh, <laughs> if an injury occurs 
you know, are you are you kind of shooting yourself in the foot by dealing a guy that you know? That would be the, I guess, you know, the, the risk of a deal like that. Right. And I, I think, I mean, honestly, there are a lot of pieces out there. I think if you take a look, for example, at TSN's trade bait board, I think there's a lot of guys out there that I would love to have. Uh, I would love to see it, maybe this third line, um, you know, who I think, you know, if you can get a team to retain half the salary, what with, you know, Toronto still having, you know, a little under three million bucks left in, in cap space to play with. You could seriously bring in some good pieces. Um, you know, again, you might have to send, you know, like you said, Justin Hall back the other way uh, to sweeten the pot, but you know, or at least to move out cap space. Well, but, or does does a does a Justin Hall deal? Could you trade Justin Hall for a third round pick? I think I think I mean, you could. Yeah, I think you could. I think you could trade Justin Hall, enough. maybe for maybe even for a second round pick if if a team's desperate. Then do you flip that pick and turn it into a, a bottom six forward who can score? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends, right? If a team really thinks that they can re-sign Justin Hall, you might be able to flip it for a, a bottom six guy. But, um, you know, at this point, I might honestly, if I'm Toronto, I would probably just hang on to him because, you know, again, it never hurts to have depth, and especially with the injury history of some of these defensemen in they Toronto, just have right? so many defensemen. I know, you've, uh, you've got eight legit defensemen Eight right defensemen now. plus Victor Mete, who is who played well when he was healthy, and, and you know, you, he'll, he'll come back at some point. And, yeah, the, I mean, on top of that, they've got Jordy Ben, who's playing in the minors. So, I mean, they, they have nine, ten defensemen who can play in the NHL. <laughs> so they have a lot of depth right. of D. But maybe you think you can go out and get a guy like Nick Bustad or, or Gustav Nyquist to come in and help, you know, I mean, really just shore up that bottom six a little bit more. Well, um, Nyquist would be real, would be nice, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, but what do you, you have know, to you trade? Might have to move, yeah, you might have to move Hall for purely money move from 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 a money perspective, but, um, you know, gosh, I don't know, maybe even a Max Domi, right? Here's a guy who I think is going to get moved at some point, and... Um, boy, I think he would look nice on that. that boy, third would as well. Leafs fans love to have Max Domi just to get a Domi back in a jersey? He'd right. have to be number twenty-eight, hundred percent. He'd right? have to be. <laughs> it would be, it would be a requirement. All right. Well, that is uh, that's all the trades we have uh, so far at this. Like, I don't know. Very. There was another one that happened today, by the way. Oh, there was. Did I miss one in here? Well, it just I refreshed my page and it popped up. Oh, so, uh, well, let's get to. I'm going to refresh my page too. Oh yeah, there we go. Uh, go ahead, you saw it first. Yeah, Riley Stillman, Buffalo Savers acquire in in exchange from the Vancouver Canucks for Josh Bloom. Um, man, Riley Stillman again. I think that's just you know again just a 24 uh, year old young guy who I think just adds a little bit more depth yeah. at the center well, position. The uh, defenseman. Defenseman. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, defenseman. What did I say? Center. <laughs> yeah, adding a little bit more defense or a little bit more defensive depth for, for a team who I think, you know, it couldn't hurt, right? And who knows? Maybe Buffalo's, you know, gearing up for a little bit of a playoff run, and maybe they're not necessarily selling the farm or going out and buying a big piece, right, um, because you're not in yet and you don't want to blow a bunch of capital. But maybe this this little piece is just to say, hey, you know what? Um, you know, we, we like what you guys are doing. We're going to give you a little bit of help here. On the back end, because look, I, I, you know, I like some of their pieces back there, um, but you know, long term, I mean, outside of, you know, Samuelson, Power, and, and Darlene, you know, not and, and, you know, there's not a ton that really excites me, right? So, um, you know, again, having a little bit of depth, especially a 24 year old, yeah, 24 year old, yeah, yeah, cost controlled for another season and an RFA. That, after that, that fits their, yeah, it fits the the scheme that they're working the out. Of. And and you know, for Vancouver, Josh Bloom, he's a third round pick in last year's draft, or in uh, I'm sorry, the 2021 draft. Forgot what year it was. Uh, yeah. He's an overager right now in the OHL, and in 40 games, he's got 42 points for the North Bay Battalion. Uh, was traded from the Saginaw Spirit earlier in the in the season. So, uh, I mean, he's he's having a good year in the OHL his development's going well so you know probably Vancouver kind of taking a flyer on somebody who will be ready a little sooner than a 2023 draft pick so I do like the move for Vancouver Riley Stillman wasn't you know, moving the needle for them at all they don't need him uh, they're they're obviously looking to get much younger and you know, he, it's it's interesting. Riley Stillman has actually been around the NHL quite a bit. Played for the Panthers, played for the Blackhawks, and the Canucks, and now the Sabers. So, uh, hopefully, he finds a home here in Buffalo. Right. I, you always feel bad for a kid. Like that's 
that's a kid, right? Like he's he's playing for the Panthers and he was playing for the Springfield Thunderbirds. And then he went to Chicago and he's playing at a Syracuse. And then he played a full year in Chicago and then a full year in in Vancouver. But um, he's he's also been you know healthy scratch and stuff too. So uh, hopefully he finds a a good home there in Buffalo. Uh, and that's good. the thing when you're moving around a ton too, you can never really truly develop, in my opinion. I mean, you mm. you have to learn new systems almost every yep. time you move, and especially if you're moving up and down between the minors and NHL, it just yeah. Which works. in some respects could de- can develop you a little differently because you do learn a lot of different systems. So if you're a if you're a, a cerebral guy, that can that can be to your benefit, but it sure. isn't necessarily to your your benefit in the short term. It maybe is in as a defenseman to your benefit when you turn. Hey, he's twenty four, right? Like twenty five, twenty six. When those defensemen kind of pop up on the radar, that maybe took a little bit longer to develop into a really good defenseman. To go shoot, man, this guy. Look, he played in all these different situations and for all these different coaches, and he's taken the best things, and he's a really good, like top four or to even even just a solid number five defenseman, and you can't go wrong with that. Uh, so good move by Buffalo. I expect that Buffalo will do something else a little more significant, uh, but we will see what happens. And uh, until then, I think that that's, <laughs> do we want to refresh the page one more time? Make sure that nothing else. Okay. I, I, I don't think that I've, I've got anything else on here. So um, you know, I'm sure we'll have plenty more to talk in about an hour. Patrick Kane will be traded. I'm sure. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, if that's the case, I'll just go in and add a little bit to the end of the episode. <laughs> Uh, but I think that's all the uh, what what in the world was this this is like uh, this is like Thanksgiving to Christmas you know it's like hey holiday season is here Thanksgiving's here Christmas is almost there Uh, so we'll just say this is the Thanksgiving of of trade deadline there you go all right Justin well uh, I guess we'll you know we'll just keep breaking down these trades as they come and uh, we'll we'll talk to you guys soon find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk Justin any final thoughts for our listeners boy uh i'm just gonna call it right now i i think the next big name to be moved is gonna be uh gonna be mr luke shen just saying it right now oh luke shen well did you refresh your page is that no (laughs) (laughs) yeah um i'm you're going luke shen i'm gonna say next big player to get dealt is uh i'm gonna say it's brock besser oh okay brock besser i don't know why vancouver just seems like they're busy right now so I'm going Besser. Okay. And, uh, and then they'll, they'll be pretty close to done. Oh, which I guess that's two Vancouver Canuck players. So, you know, pick your poison, I guess. Uh, they're, Patrick Alvin's going to be a busy man tonight. All right. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great night.